This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. What's going to happen tonight? What's going to happen? We're going to whoop their Have you gotten Rommel yet? What's up, yo? Welcome on into the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. Rush Rucker, Patrick Brown, and Ryan Callahan coming to you, not from Tuscaloosa, from Birmingham. Uh, we had to uh, get back uh, to Birmingham because of the uh, post-game situation there at Alabama. is not conducive to podcasts, so we are back in our hotel room uh, discussing Tennessee's loss to Alabama on Saturday, 34-20. to There is not a nice way to put what happened in the second half. Uh, you can't say anything really nice about it. Tennessee was ahead 20 to seven at the break. Tennessee uh, rattled off, uh, lost 27, 27 to nothing in the second half, 27 to nothing in the second half. There's a lot to discuss in this game. There's a lot of, uh, there's going to be some controversy. There were some, some moments in that game where I thought Tennessee got the business into some tough stuff there, but when it's 27, nothing in the second half, I have a hard time saying anything other than Tennessee uh, has to blame itself more than anything. Yeah, Wes, it, it's it's tough because uh, if you're Tennessee, you were in a great position. I mean, you're up twenty to seven at halftime. Yeah, you squandered some some things in the first half, but you had a chance to beat Alabama at Alabama. I mean, not many teams get a chance to you know have a chance to do that. You know, Texas did it earlier this season, but uh, you're you're sitting there at the break with the lead, and you just don't you know the way the third quarter starts, it kind of starts to snowball on you and. As we've seen with this team on the road, they just can't get it back. Um, and you know, you saw some signs that maybe the 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 you know things had had turned because Tennessee had left some points on the field up thirteen nothing. It's thirteen seven. They get stopped on on fourth and one at, at the thirty five. Uh, and, and the defense is able to make a play and get the momentum back. They go down and score at poor half, and and you think they've you know it was some signs of composure, but uh, it it proved in vain, not meant to be, and. Uh, Alabama would grab control of, of momentum in the second half. Tennessee was never able to get it back. So, uh, and it was it was all an all systems failure. Is how I put it in takeaways. I mean, offense couldn't get it going. Defense couldn't get off the field on some third downs. Alabama made some plays. There was a special teams mistake on the kickoff that that got Tennessee's opening drive of the third quarter started at their own four and got them kind of behind schedule and kind of started to get the the, the wobbling was starting to become greater. So. Um, that was a big moment, and and Tennessee was never able to uh, to get control back. And I should point out, I should point out, we're not all in the same room. We are right now. We're not all staying in the same room. Let's 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 clear up the <laughs> the living hotel. Let's clear up the living arrangement or the the hotel accommodations um, uh, of this situation. Just to clear that up, yeah. Well, we could be in a big suite for all everybody knows. I well, mean, you know. no, we're in two standard hotel rooms. Is is where we are. But yeah, it, it was. I, I think. There are a lot of people that are going to be upset with some of the officiating decisions in that game. I understand that. I will be completely candid. That was as one-sided and officiated a game as I can remember in a while. Maybe a rewatch would change that. But but in live there, uh, Tennessee took the business into some some tough stuff there. Uh, There was the the complete non-holding call. Uh, there was a obvious open, you know, an obvious holding call on uh, Alabama defensively that was not called in the first half, and that that could have been a difference in four points right there. Uh, Alabama's big touchdown play there on the second play of the third quarter, uh, there was a legal hands to the face and blocking pretty blatantly on Tyler Barron there, not called. There were a handful of moments in that game where I think you you can't be objective about that game and not say those things. Those things happened. 
and Tennessee fans are going to be upset. I don't blame them one bit for that. But because you get down twenty-seven nothing in the second half, I just have a hard time saying that was anything other than a situation where Tennessee has to look in the mirror and say, "How the hell did this happen?" Yeah, well, and, and also to add to that, penalties are not necessarily just supposed to be about even. Obviously, some teams commit more penalties sure. than others. Just like fouls in basketball. Yeah. But Tennessee, eight penalties for 55 yards. Alabama, one penalty for five yards. That's um, obviously going to add credence to that argument that it was not an evenly officiated game. Tennessee's defensive line is pretty good. No, to not yeah. hold those guys once, that, that's, that's rough. Right. So, so yeah, that, that's, that's going to draw some attention. I'm sure Tennessee will send a pretty exhaustive tape and list of, of complaints about this game, and it will probably receive a collective uh, shoulder shrug in return from we, the SEC. Heifel was asked about it. He chose not to comment. So Yeah, he well, he – People who say he wasn't asked, he was asked. He was, chose not yes, to comment. He, well, he, he commented without commenting because he responded with intention, very intentionally several seconds of silence and then said, next question, and then said – yeah, um, is that enough silence? <laughs> yeah. um, so, so it was very clear the message he was trying to get across there. Um, so, yeah, not not happy about that. But like you said, Wes, that there are more than enough mistakes Tennessee made, more than enough things that went wrong in this game um, to, for officiating not to have been the difference in the game. I mean, I, uh, a lot will be made about the second half, and and rightfully so. Tennessee did not look like the second team. Uh, Elijah Herring, and, and I always have to have to point out on this like when we're asking players questions for you know how did you guys respond like you're asking a player to basically speculate about what's going on in the minds of 85 players or in this case 74 players whatever and and Elijah Herring can't fairly speak for everyone but he he was the one player to kind of admit that he thought at one point at least we felt like we had already won the game and maybe and they squirrel, squirrel white said that they were going out there to open the second half saying let's go step on their neck yeah and and, and, and i'm sure they did, did not that. happen and i'm sure they did that but i think there is there is an uh, a human nature element to the game where you just can't play with the same level of intensity when you have a lead a lot of times most most players and teams can't um and that alabama clearly came out with just a different level of desperation and i don't and I think it's obvious to say Tennessee didn't match that. Uh, I think they felt they had played such a good half, they probably did feel, at least some players may have may have felt like, hey, we're going to go win this game. And Alabama came out much more desperate, looked like a different team in the second half, and they've done that a few times this year. So part of what I think you saw in this game was a good team that knows how to turn it on when they need to flip the switch, doing exactly what they've done. A good program to me more than a good team. I think that was sort of, yeah. a, that was sort of a culture win for Alabama, and it was a – Culture's not quite their loss for Tennessee. Yeah, and I think, uh, and that, and that's a good point there because I think one of the things that we maybe won't talk enough about with this team, and, and it's it kind of sh- has shown up throughout the season already, is that not only did you lose better, more explosive playmakers with last year's team, but you lost a little bit of that that veteran savvy, that knowing how to respond to adversity, that knowing how to win games. Obviously, they lo- they won a really close game against Alabama last year in r- dramatic fashion. You know, went right down the field in two plays at the end of the game, things like that. This team, when their back has been against the wall, they they've not been quite as good. They they've 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 sort of crumbled a little bit at Florida and now at Alabama. So this is a different team. You kind of see that in the way they've responded to adversity at times this year, and uh, and they still need to, you know, they they need to show that they can go on the road and and not pee down their leg in a big spot. Basically, they need to they need to be able to face a swing in momentum and answer the bell, and they've yet to do that in their two big tests this year, and even at the end of last year, obviously, with a different team. But this I was is about a- to say, last season, the the way that that, that team at South Carolina yeah. also, and at times at, at Georgia in big big moments, I mean, say what you will about Georgia, that's Georgia, but um, the, the last four road games for this team, this program, uh, there it's been some really, really – unfortunate collapses and yeah. that's got to stop it, it has but but I will, I will also give Alabama credit though because I think part of what happened in that second half was a just again a good team and a good program sort of responding to a, a desperate situation down 13 at halftime and and doing what they had to do to win the game as they've done in other games this season already and Tennessee not running the ball as effectively I thought they'd run the ball better today I really did I, I thought they would have a little more success with Jalen Wright with Dylan Sampson all those guys 
you know, Joe Milton was their best runner today. That, that's not something I would have expected to see. So th- this was partly Alabama just being good and kind of getting Tennessee out of their game and, and slowing down in the second half what had worked offensively for Tennessee in the first half. Yeah, I think that there, at some points, you know, we'll get into the weeds and talk about some specific things in this game that did not go well. But to me, as much as anything, it, it, it's just a sign that – Tennessee there are levels in this game in this sport and if Tennessee wants to get to that next level it's got to take the show on the road and and to do what it did today yes that's a tough place to play yes that other team has a plenty of talent but we're seeing a trend now we're seeing a trend and you go back to last season to the pit game more and more obviously now it's looking like what happened at LSU as last season, as great as it was, it's that's the aberration right now. And I'm a big believer in you are what you are until you prove you're not, or you are who you are until you prove you're not. And to me, the you know, Heupel came out and talked about the fight of this team, and, and he'll go to battle with those guys any day. That's exactly what a coach should say, at least publicly. But how you sit there for 30 consecutive minutes and take punch after punch after punch and don't really punch back, that is that that's not good. Like I'm not I'm not saying panic. I'm not saying the whole thing's on fire. I'm saying there is another level and Tennessee is at its ceiling until it stops this. It has got to have more stuff to it because it just kind of sat there and took that for a while. Yeah, I think Ryan uh he used a good phrase, and I, I hate to give Ryan credit, as you guys know. Yeah, I hate um, it too. I don't even know what it was. But just Alabama it. came out desperate, and, and we kind of talked about this on the way back, how Nick Saban was, like, really fired up after this game, uh, probably because he – Did he smile? He, like, apparently went over to the students, and, you know, he was, you know, during the week pumping, you know, trying to get the crowd pumped up and tell them that they needed him, and that's not something you hear from him. Uh, most of the times he's been complaining about the students leaving early. Yeah, <laughs> so, true. Um, you know, I, I think that – uh, Alabama, as, as you said, Ryan, they came out with more desperation because, I mean, you're, you lost to this team last season and you talked up all that you wanted revenge and you were fired up for this game and they came and hit you in the mouth starting off. I mean, it was 13 nothing. The first quarter was dominated by Tennessee, but then Alabama came out desperate and, and Tennessee, you know, were they complacent? I don't know. Point is, as you, talk, as you touched on, Wes, this, this, this team and this program, they just have to play better on the road. They have to have more poise, composure, mental fortitude you have to go make a play at some point um and they didn't they didn't make a play nobody stepped up and made a play uh, on defense you had a chance a couple chances to get off the field on third down uh, on defense you had a chance to to convert a fourth down you know should they have punted it probably but you know if you make a play there it's a momentum play um and, and Tennessee wasn't able to to get that done and uh, again you go back to the the Florida game second quarter it snowballed at Avalanche they couldn't get it back under control um, by the time they they played better, it was too late. In this game, it was they played better in the first half, and then things got away from them in the second half. As a program, you have to be able to – when something goes wrong, you have to be able to make something happen to get it back on, on your side of things, and, and that's that's a trend for this program. Now, it's a, it's a thing. They're, we're going to be asking these same questions and talking about these same things all week when they go to Kentucky. Now, is Kentucky Bryant-Denny Stadium or is it the Swamp? No, but it'll be a night game. Okay, it'll against be a full, team that hates you, a program that yeah, hates you. Yeah, it, it, it'll program a team that was off this week that is probably sitting there thinking, "Hey, you know, we're going to catch a team limping in here. We got a chance to beat them." So, um, they, and then they're going to have to do it against Missouri too because Missouri's playing really good football right now. So, um, they're going to have to go on the road and and find a way to play better. I mean, that's just the bottom line. And, and you're going to have to go if you're going to be a team that's competing for the SEC East. Well, you know, it's kind of out of the out of the way now. It's not going to be an SEC East next season, but. If you're going to be competing for what you want to compete for and what you say that you're competing for, you got to be able to go and, and handle these situations and went on the road. And uh, Tennessee right now is is not proving that they can do that. So it's a big question mark for this team. I know, I know we can get into the probably the nitty gritty of some fourth down decisions and the quarterback play and all that, the run game. But to me, this game was all about one team upped its level, as Ryan said, and, and the other team didn't respond. Um, and and that's not the first time that this that this program hasn't responded. So 
that that's the big takeaway for me from this game is that Tennessee continues to not have the intangibles, it factor, whatever you want to call it, the cojones, whatever, to take take the bull by the horns and, and win one of these road games in, in one of these hostile loud stadiums where where everybody wants you to lose and fail. It just it didn't have an answer. It it. it it, not offensively, not defensively. I do think the defense stepped up and made a couple of nice plays. I, I do. I don't want to completely discredit that. It, it, it did happen. And when you say 27 nothing, well, uh, a, a scoop and score was one of them, so that's obviously not on the defense. But, you know, the, the it was the little things like not setting the edge defensively at times, letting the quarterback get out of the pocket a few times, just flat out losing some one-on-one battles at times. And, and then offensively, the, the false starts there late in the game when you're in the red zone, you got to get something going. It, it's just, it, it's like it reaches a level and, and it's like, it's just done. Like there, there's no, there was no, there's obviously effort, but there's no answer. There, there's no answer. Like when you're the quarterback and it's fourth and inches and you are sitting there pleading for your coaches, pleading for them to let you stay on the field. I've got this. I've got this. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. That's all well and good. Get the damn first down if you're going to do that. Like th- there are things where they're they're just not there yet. Like y- y- the the program, the the rebuilding process was so far ahead of schedule, and last season was just so shocking uh, on some levels. It just you know, and and so it makes you think. Well, here's the next step, and then college football being is what it is right now this season. You wonder if anybody's good. And, and you can't ask for better times to go to Gainesville or Tuscaloosa. It's not like Tennessee's better than these teams, but it's like when do you want them to be more beatable than they are right now? When do you want Florida to be more beatable than it is right now? When do you want Nick Saban's Crimson Tide to be more beatable than it is right now? And you have those opportunities, and they're on a plate. And this is not like one that got away. It's the latest in a series of them, and at some point – something has got to change where I don't know if it's you just recruit a guy who's just that freaking dude, man, who, who who's a guy who's so good, so clutch. He's one guy who can change a lot of things, a silver bullet. I don't know what it is, but it's like Bama had some dudes that it could go to to make some of those plays today. Tennessee did not. It just did not. Like, the you script some stuff early in the game. They were good to go. And then after that, no answers down the stretch, just none. You touched on exactly where I was going with this. I think Alabama had – Tennessee had a good game plan in the first half. They seemed like they had a good read on, on Alabama's offense. Alabama's offense has started slow in some games anyway, mm-hmm. so maybe that's a factor too. But it seemed like Tennessee had a good good scout on them. Um, they had some. They did some different things in the past game it looked like. I'm, I'm interested to go back and watch this game uh, on, on, on the replay because we don't – You're going to watch the All-22? Yeah, I'm, I'm going to get the get the projector out. Um, but uh, it seemed like they did you know, more comeback routes. They had some different wrinkles in the past game that looked like they that, that the things they hadn't done as much of in the past, mm-hmm. at least. Um, and it got Joe Milton going, and it obviously gave them a spark early on. And they were good throughout the first half. After a lull in the second quarter a little bit, Bama came back. They still put together a drive late in the half to go up two touchdowns or 13 points again going into the locker room. But Alabama made adjustments in the, at halftime. I think that was also part of what they did. They seemed to take away some of what Tennessee had been doing early on. I think you touched on it. Alabama had had some dudes they could sort of go to and hang their hat on and, and get plays, and Jalen Milrose, obviously one of those. And when you when you are where Tennessee is now, and I, and I kind of – we talked about this kind of after the Florida loss. I just felt like Tennessee – you know, that game kind of showed to me that Tennessee was maybe on a more similar talent level to Florida than I would have expected going into that game. This game, I think, kind of reflected that too because when a team like that makes adjustments and slows down what's working early on, you have fewer counter punches when you don't have enough dudes. In Tennessee, once they once J- James Pierce wasn't getting to the quarterback as consistently, they Alabama was able to attack Tennessee and make more plays. Alabama ran the ball better in the second half. That was really interesting to me. They really ran it well in the second half compared to the first half. And, and Tennessee couldn't couldn't stop them and get off the field as much. Um, so they just, you know, you have fewer counter punches when you're facing elite talent sometimes, and that's sort of where Tennessee still is. So I think they're still a good team. They're still ahead of schedule, as you've as you've said, and, and it's still totally fair to say that they're five and two in year three, coming off an eleven and two season last year. Like they're in a good spot overall. 
but it's hard to take that next step until you have enough dudes to sort of counter that punch that that or that counterpunch in this case from Alabama and a team that good because part of being able to swing the momentum back in your favor is just finding a, a go-to guy that can make a play and it seemed like today they didn't have enough of those because Jalen Wright was silenced a little bit that was that was where I was and, going and, next and was yeah Dylan Sampson couldn't yeah. make a play like they didn't really have a guy to just go to in that situation and say bail us out of this swing the momentum that they just couldn't get anything going in the second half. Yeah, when Tennessee's answer a lot of times, when you talk about some dudes like, well, Jalen Wright's borderline dude, uh, he, and Bama took him out of the game. Bama, he made one great play late on a catch that when the ball was already – in the game was out of hand at that point, basically. It was not going to change. But, you know, Squirrel White had a couple of nice plays but kind of slowed down as it, went go, as it got going. Tennessee just did not have answers. And, and we'll talk a little bit more about it. We'll get a little bit more into the specifics here in the second segment. I think there's a couple of things that were that were meaningful, a couple of things that, that were worth noting, a couple of things that, that I think we need to discuss. But before we do that, let's take a quick break, a step away for just a second, pay some bills, listen to products, services, in-house ads, et cetera, and come right back here on the Go Balls 24-7 podcast. Hashtag ad. Is your child struggling with a specific subject or need help with homework? Are they asking questions that you're not sure you can fully answer? IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids. It covers math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed. This program will improve your kids' grades. Studies done in almost every state in the country. The kids who had IXL are consistently doing better. Powered by advanced algorithms, IXL gives the right help to each kid no matter the age or personality. And it doesn't have to eat up all your time. One subscription gets you everything for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. So don't miss out. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com audio. Visit IXL.com audio to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Welcome back, welcome back, welcome back. Welcome back to the Go Balls 24-7 podcast brought to you by whatever products, services, and in-house ads you just heard a moment ago during that commercial break. Wes Rucker and Ryan Callahan and Patrick Brown coming to you from Birmingham, Alabama, which of course is where Tennessee and Alabama used to play down here. Now, not so much. Now they go uh, down the road to Tuscaloosa and play at Bryant Denny Stadium. But there's not really a great place there post game to uh, do a podcast. So we are back in the hotel uh, in Birmingham getting that done. So apologies, it's a little bit later than usual, but we are getting it to you. Um, and I know a lot of you are just probably not wanting to hear anything right now because of the way that second half went. But nonetheless, we are here. We will discuss it because there are things to discuss. Before we get back to that, though, just a quick request from our end. Please go take a minute out of your day, rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast. If you're just listening on the website at GoVols247.com, that's absolutely great. There's nothing wrong with that. There's no wrong way to consume this podcast. Helps us out a lot more, though, if you go on there on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeart, TuneIn, Stitcher, Amazon, anywhere in the world you can cast a fine body. You can find this Go Balls 24-7 podcast. We do this for free. We're happy to do it. It's uh, it's no no problem. We're, we're not going to go Shane Beamer and go kicking Gatorade stuff and getting broken toes over it. Um, but uh, since we're doing it for free, I don't think it's too much to ask to go in there, rate, review, subscribe, tell your friends, and tell everybody that you know. So if you're already doing that, thank you. We love you. If not, I award you no points. And may God have mercy on your soul. Okay, let's get back into it, guys. Uh, I thought from from 
the best that I could tell, I did not have many huge concerns with Joe Milton today. I think that's that's one thing. He, he got things going in the run game. Uh, he made some nice throws. They still kept things awfully conservative for him. They did let him air it out a couple times, connected on one of them, um, maybe a bit unfortunate on a couple others that he gave the receiver a chance. Uh, late in the game, I do think on that fourth down, I, I think if you go back and watch that again, I think Squirrel White sort of stopped when he should have kept going. I think Milton was trying to throw him open. And, and there was just some, some confusion on a broken play there a little bit, and they just weren't on the same page on the scramble stuff. That happens. Um, but I don't have any major concerns about that. I think the concern was Tennessee could not run the football. Now, Alabama didn't run it much better, but Tennessee only getting 3.5 yards per carry, only getting 133 yards on the ground. When things were going bad and they couldn't rely on that crutch of the running game, uh, to to kind of get them back, get them stabilized. I think that was a problem. Yeah, Wes. I I think uh, I said on I had an appearance on CBS Sports HQ on on Saturday morning before we left for the stadium, and I said that ten, one of my three keys of the game was Tennessee needed a good Joe Milton game, and I think they got that. I mean, no picks is where you start. He was effective as a runner and a scrambler, um, and, and he threw for two hundred seventy one yards, and, and the passing game showed signs of life with. Squirrel White and, and Ramel Keaton were making some plays. Uh, the one that's going to get probably second-guessed and debated, it wasn't our game thread on, on, on GoBalls247.com, was uh, the, the throw to Jacob Warren in the end zone in the first half. That, that was a great design, great scheme. Um, I, I, I don't have a problem with the throw because um, he's got to put some loft on it to get it over the linebacker that was kind of underneath there. Because you throw that on the line and try to hit Warren in the chest, it might get deflected, it might get picked. Um, and, and Warren is six five, six six. You got to throw that up to where he can get it. And um, I don't know if Warren jumped too early. I don't know if he needed to jump higher. <laughs> um, but I think that's a play that he's got to make. Obviously, on, on the sack fumble. Um, to be honest, I, I'd have to go back and look and try to see what what was open downfield, if anything. Um, but certainly, it's it's tough as a quarterback to feel pressure from from behind. Um, but you know, I thought Milton tried to set the tone early. You know, early last week he ran out of bounds on that on that free play that they had, um, and his first venture out to the pocket in this game, he he ran through Malachi Moore, and that seemed to give Tennessee some juice, and they played really well like that. And then, uh, really in the second half, I think he and the whole team went to the shell, but to your, into a shell. But to your point, Wes, I mean, um, Milton was your leading rusher with, with 59 yards, and then no other you know another running back had more than than 30. Um, Samson, four for 28, small, eight for 24. Jalen Wright, 22 yards on 11 carries. There's, there's one a lot of running room um, early, and I think that probably contributes to, to the red zone issues because down in that part of the field, you got to be able to run the football well. Um, and, and Tennessee was was not able to really get much going. They had a couple, I think, quarterback runs down there, if I'm recalling correctly. Um, they ran Jabari Small a couple times on, on, on the drive just before the half. I think there's probably some clock management with those calls. Um, but you know, when you take that run game away, you know, this offense just, it, it hasn't been, they haven't got both sides of it going at the same time. Cause this was the same issue that happened at Florida. They couldn't run the ball at Florida, but they were able to hit some big plays down the field. This game is sort of the same thing. They were able to make some plays in the air through the air. Um, but your, your run game was, uh, was really taken out of the game. And, and, and that was a big factor, like you said, Wes. And, and not only was, not only was that good, Joe Milton, it felt like peak Joe Milton in the first half. Um, that was as good of a half. Except for the throw to Warren, man. Everything yeah. else in that first half was really, really good. Uh, I mean, that's uh, got to give him a lot of credit because we were pretty hard on him last week, and justifiably so, because he threw for 100 yards in an SEC game that Tennessee needed to win. I mean, it wasn't good enough, and we were wondering what Tennessee's uh, passing game was going to look like the rest of the year based on that performance. And he answered the bell, and Tennessee, probably to its credit, schemed some things up better for him, gave him a better opportunity to get going, and he did. They came out through some short stuff early on, got him in a rhythm, and then they hit the pass down the field. I mean, Squirrel White, great catch down the sideline for the, for the mm -hmm. opening touchdown. Um, really nice throw on that, too, one of the better throws Joe Milton's made. And, you know, just to, to start off that way and get in such a rhythm and play so well throughout most of the first half, um, that that's something to build on going forward, I think, clearly. Uh, he's still got to put together a more complete performance for 60 minutes if this team's going to be able to win a game like this on the road, uh, especially on a day when the run game's not 
not going as well as it as it had been before today, but that was at least a big step in the right direction. I know there's still some some Joe Milton questioning out there about you know the, the way the second half went. And no that's, quarterback that I've ever been around has had every single throw scrutinized more than he does. Yeah, it's it's, it's pretty wild. He he's brought a lot of it on himself, but it's it right. gets to be a bit much at times. Yeah. So I so I to, to me the Joe Milton questioning from this game I. That that's a bit much to me because they they wouldn't have even been in the position they were in at halftime if he doesn't play as well as he did early on. So I I, I think this is the day that it's hard to critique Milton too much. But yeah, the second half obviously was not as sharp. Um, he his comments to me were a little bit illuminating after the game. I thought it was interesting that he kind of referenced just a lot of a lot of you know basically said everyone needs to do their jobs. But he said it in a way that suggested there were a lot of mistakes being made around him. That's what I took from that anyway. It seemed like there were maybe he, some... He seemed to kind of walk it back a little bit. And he's yeah. like, listen, I'm the quarterback. I'm the leader on the and team. He, he took so, blame so himself. That, so I take yeah. full responsibility. But guys got to do their jobs. Yeah. And, and, and so you wonder... At, and I thought the offensive line was not as good the second half. You know, clearly there might have been some issues with the receivers. Not, not Mincy being a, going out of the game hurt them, I it, think, a good bit. definitely did. Another thing we, we should touch on before we get too far, I mean, Alabama only threw seven times in the second half, but Kamal Haddon being out of this game really really might have hurt Tennessee and you, uh, that deep pass to start the second half uh, for, for the touchdown, the 46-yarder. You know, who, who knows how different that, that might have looked if Kamal Haddon's in the game. So um, that's not something people would have expected to hear after the Florida game last month, but – um, Tennessee might have missed Kamal Haddon in this game, uh, and we'll see what his status is going uh, going forward. He, oh, that's right, he did come back. He came um, back. He, he was out for the he was out for the first drive of the second half, and then he came back. And I, I didn't see the snap yeah. counts if, if he stayed in, but I did know that he came back but after that first drive. For that stretch of the game, though, I mean, it, it was a, it was maybe a big deal that Alabama's <laughs> passing game kind of got going at that one point because they they had nothing going in the first quarter, second quarter, and early third quarter is when they did a lot of their damage in the passing game. Um, Alabama really leaned on its run game in the second half. That was the, uh, again, sort of the interesting thing to me is that they were able to find some success there, even though they didn't have too many chunk plays and didn't consistently run for five yards a, a play. It was just enough to keep moving the ball. Um, but, yeah, they, 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 they have to get just better, better play across the board from everybody, and Joe Milton sort of seemed to point – again, didn't point the finger at other players, but that's there was sort of an underlying – you know, just kind of casting the blame at the whole team and saying, "Hey, a lot of mistakes were made in general," and 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 him and himself included. But he seemed to kind of allude to the fact that there were some people around him not doing their jobs entirely, and, and that that again points to there just being not enough sharp execution. And I've said it before: this team's got a small margin for error. They've got to be better across the board, and, and clearly they weren't better in the second half. I also think that anything that a college football player these days says that is even remotely interesting is illuminating because things have been neutered to the point that like no one is given <laughs> like ability to say anything anymore. Um, but that's, I mean, whatever it's like this, that way across the country, it's certainly not a Tennessee issue. That's most places across the country. Um, but regardless, one thing that I think we do need to mention, and, and I, I think watching this game a second time will, will be helpful in this way. But I think uh, when you talk about, teams and where to place blame when things happen I don't blame average players for being average I don't think you can blame uh, an under you know a below average player for being below average I don't think you could you have to give blame proportionate to what a player can and can't do and in that second half what we know about this Tennessee team is it's got a lot of pretty good players maybe not a lot of great players but a lot of good players Tennessee is very good on the defensive line, and Tennessee has leaned heavily on that defensive line this season. And I think that defensive line really let them down in the second half of that game. Uh, they just they did not get home on those rushes. They did not affect Milrow as much. Now, Joseph's had a really nice play on a sack. Uh, they had a couple of nice moments in there. But that defensive line has been so, so good for most of this season. And in the second half – when you talk about guys stepping up to make a play to change a game, that doesn't necessarily mean offense. That can mean the defense stepping up and saying, all right, here's a, here's a big sack, here's another turnover, here's something. And I just – I think this team is going to go as far as the defensive line takes it in some ways. And I really thought those guys did not play that well in the second half. Maybe a second watch would change that, but, you know – 
Milrow got out of the pocket more. Things just did not look great for that bunch after the break. Yeah, I mean, they, they have to be dominant uh, for, for Tennessee's defense to be as good as we've seen it. And I don't think they were as dominant. You, you saw them, as you said, making plays in the, in the first half. James Pierce made a great play on a sack, on a strip sack um, to, to force a turnover in the first quarter. And you just they, – they didn't have the same impact. And um, there were a couple of plays really throughout the game, even before the second half, where I thought Tennessee's zone defense wasn't very good. Got to get. I never like it when they play zone. I'm never really that comfortable. Well, the thing they, is, when, is we only they, they, there's holes in that zone. Yeah, but we only see the zone defense when it's bad. True. Because <laughs> we don't we don't always point out when it's good, um, and, and they make a you know make a quarterback hold the ball and, and the rush gets home. I, the the rush and the coverage was not as in sync as it has been over the past couple games, and um, but it still comes down to I think there were at one point. Alabama was not very good on third down in the first half, but they had a stretch where I think they converted four in a row. Uh, one of them was was I think one of the biggest plays in the game was the catch Jermaine Burton made, um, where they fitted into a window between, I believe it was Slaughter and McCullough. That and, was a nice and, route and, where he got there. Well, it, it wasn't a route. It wasn't a good route. Know, it was like a good an adjustment. Catch. I mean, like an he adjustment. had to catch a ball that was behind him. Maybe I, that maybe I, we say it was behind him. It was probably a good placement of the ball because you don't want to lead him into a hit. He, I mean, he got his leg grabbed in the air, still made the play. That was a third down. Um, there was a run that they that Alabama had that converted. Uh, Milrow scrambled for one. Uh, one of the third downs was the – That was one of the most demoralizing moments of the game was that third and nine or whatever scramble that it was when he broke out of the pocket. Yeah, and, and that, was a, late, that was a backbreaker. Later in the uh, – on that same drive, I believe, was when they called that holding on Judy Lally on a ball that was thrown six yards out of bounds, which, I mean. Is that one of those where they're and, like, and, where, where one of the refs like, hey, that's uncatchable, and the other guy's, okay, well, we'll call holding. Well, yeah, I mean, the, the 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 guy who threw the flag was the only guy that the referee talked to, so nobody even came over to say it was uncatchable. I don't know if they were not paying attention to where the ball was, but, um, yeah, and and those were those were big plays because Alabama got a field goal on that drive to make it 27-20. So those, those, those plays led to points, and um, – for the, for the offense, you know, they were backed up on the four to start the second half. I think they had a holding penalty uh, on the first down. I got them behind the sticks. And there was, that was Warren holding there, there were a couple of third downs in this game where Tennessee was really close. Uh, there, I think on that sequence, Milton extended a play. He was kind of running around back there, and, and Warren leaked out, and I think he got tackled through the yard short. There was a play in the first – Half, first screen, quarter. That was a really nice tackle. Yeah, and it, if a big defensive lineman doesn't get squirreled by the shoestrings, he was one on one with the safety. So, I mean, it, it, it's a fine line between, and everyone's just going to yell at the quarterback, yell at the coach, yell at what this and that and the other. If you really dive into it, you'll see little things like that are, are, are the, the plays that make a big difference. And um, Tennessee just didn't make enough of those plays. They didn't make enough of the burden kind of plays in the second half. Um, and, and to your point, as you were talking about with the defensive line, I thought Alabama was better on the line of scrimmage. I thought first half, Tennessee was the better team in the trenches because its defensive line was making an impact on the game. And in the second half, that, that flipped. Um, and so that, that was a big difference in the game. We saw that with Alabama a couple weeks ago at Texas A&M, watching some of that game when Tennessee was off. It looked like Alabama was better on the line of scrimmage in the second half. And that's why they Much were able, better. That's why they were able – they were the better team, I should say, in the second half. And that's why they were able to – make enough plays to, to get that win, and, and they were able to do the same uh, in this game. Yeah, I think if if it had been just Alabama outscoring Tennessee by 14 or 10 in the second half, I'd be like, okay. The gap being what it was is the problem to me because Tennessee has rotated more defensively this season. It's got a little bit more depth on that side of the ball. I do understand that the Mincy thing was was a big blow, especially because you know Crawford's been been beat up for a while too now, and and so you know Dane Davis got beat a couple times and some 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 tough moments there. But I mean it's a former walk on. I'm I'm not gonna you know crucify the kid or anything. I'm just saying that like they they had some they had some moments. There are some things that they've done in recruiting to address some of these things, and a lot of this stuff. Like, it should not have happened to that degree. I, I will allow for the fact that, yes, uh, Alabama, top to bottom, superior roster right now. Still, uh, they've recruited at a ridiculous level for a number of years. But Tennessee does not have a bad football team. Tennessee is – I don't think there's that much difference between the two. I really don't. And I think if that game is played and Neil, I think Tennessee wins – 
But I, I said going into the game, it, it, I would pick Tennessee in a thriller at at at, um, at Neyland. I would pick uh, a really close game, maybe Bama in a thriller on a neutral field, but close. But on the road, I said I'd take Bama to cover because I just I just can't get away from the fact that you know it's not. It's not a coincidence or a freak thing if it keeps happening. And now they got to go right back on the road. And they're not going to go play a uh, another Alabama. They're going to Lexington. Um, but that's another physical football team. Later in the year, they're going to Mizzou. That team's playing really well right now. They've got to – if they want to get back to where they have been for a lot of their history – they just they have to find some answers. They have to find some of that stuff because I don't think it's just physical. I just don't. I think there is there is some sort of a a mental block or a, a lack of confidence kind of issue. There's something we've seen teams for years. This is a tough league. You go on the road, guys. It's tough. It's supposed to be tough, but it can't snowball like that. Like that's you're not gonna be a top 10 team, you're not going to be competing for championships if you don't address that. Yeah, well, I think I think you kind of touched on it there, though. You know, when a guy like Gerald Mincy gets banged up, they have to go to Dane Davis. And that's not not knocking on Dane Davis, but just pointing out that they still don't have the depth. Jeremiah Crawford's out, too, and they didn't yeah. have car today either. Yep, exactly. So the, so the, a couple guys get banged up, and suddenly your depth on the offensive line is pretty, pretty thin. You know, you, you just – they even in year three, and and sure, it's, it can be a whole other other discussion about whether they've done a good enough job of sort of shoring up the roster through the transfer portal and 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 just recruiting classes to 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 have the roster in better shape by year three. But bottom line is their roster is still nowhere near the depth that Alabama has on on both sides of the ball, but especially at certain positions. I'm not sure nowhere. I, I think it's still there's a difference, but I don't think it's 27 nothing in the second half difference. No, no, and, and some positions are better than others. I mean, obviously, like linebacker, secondary, Tennessee's got a lot better depth at those positions now than they did a couple years ago, and so the gap is much smaller, I think, at some of those spots. Uh, and they were able to, to absorb some blows uh, in other games and today with with better depth. So it's not it's definitely not an across-the-board issue, but it shows you there still are – you know, just it things that have not been completely shored up because it's year three. I mean, you're still, you know, year one, you, you just inherited a mess, and, and it, it can't be stated enough probably that year three is still just ahead of schedule. If this team bounces back from this and finishes 9-3 in the regular season, as I kind of said going into the year, that's a tremendous year. for Still work. gets Georgia at home. Ten, yeah. Neyland's a tough place Absolutely. right now. Oh, I'm, and I'm not saying that. Yeah, I'm not even assuming Could they're going to lose Georgia and lose at Missouri, Kentucky. Yeah. I mean, who the hell knows? I, absolutely. Uh, until this team beats somebody decent on the road, hey, who's to say they win both Kentucky and Missouri? So, um, but yeah, if, if they get to that point, win nine games, I mean, those, that's a pretty remarkable back-to-back seasons if if they get to that point. So this team's still ahead of schedule, but I think sometimes when a, again, just when a team to me like Alabama that has the talent they do turns it on and this is still not an Alabama team again that has just like the absolute dudes at receiver that they've had in the past and the Heisman Trophy winners at running back that they've had in the past they're not at that level they don't have Bryce Young at quarterback but they've still got enough really talented players that when they turn it on and they really get things going and they make adjustments and things like that sometimes it is just hard to stop them and I just think I just think it can't be said enough that Tennessee has fewer counterpunches when a team like that does that to them. So, especially on the road. Now, to your point, Wes, I agree. This game's played at Neyland. I don't doubt at all that Tennessee could have maybe won a close one or been right there in it to, to the end at the very least. But the, on the road, they just haven't shown that they're ready to to take this kind of step yet on a consistent basis. So, it's it, to me, it's, a, it's both – it's both a head scratcher that they can't sort of get over that mental hurdle on the road, but also a reminder of some of their limitations and that and that they are in year three, that they are still relatively early in in building back this program. If they're still having these issues in year five, year six, it's a little more of a head scratcher to me. But they are still in year three, and sometimes that that shows up more on the road to me. And I think that there's before we get out of here, I think there there's um, an interesting discussion to be had about Tennessee's combination of uh, aggression or over aggression and then cautious at the same time in some cases like Tennessee at that point like on both those fourth and shorts I I'm just gonna be honest I did not hate them I hated the one last week uh the the one in a&m where it's fourth and seven 
I absolutely hated that decision. I said it at the time. I said it later. Like, I'll say it until the cows come home. I hated it. Both of those decisions today, when it's fourth and that kind of short, I don't hate it. And I think when you're on the road, you have to sometimes go make plays to win a game, quiet the crowd, change momentum. But when you are going to be that aggressive to then go that safe on some of the calls in those situations, I didn't love that. And and I think when you're having a hard time running the ball consistently in a game – that's got to change the calculus a little bit on fourth and short. And I still, for the life of me, do not understand. Tennessee has a tank at quarterback. Tennessee's got a couple of tight ends who are big dudes. Go under center, sneak it, have the two tight ends, hit him right in the ass. He's going to get the first down. That's almost not going to be stopped at this level. It's just not. And I know they run out of the shotgun. I know that some people like short yardage shotgun. I don't. I understand that. But Pat, I when you if you've got like a Bryce Young sized quarterback, I get it. Your quarterback is bigger than just about any linebacker well, he's going to go against. Like just go get that that way. Well, it, it, it's always easy to armchair quarterback and these fourth down decisions. I think they're they're kind of two pronged discussions because it's should you have gone for it at all and what did you call and, and, and yeah two different that's, discussions. That's what you're debating. That's what I was trying to say earlier. Two I, different. I, things. I think um, look, well, this is what Heupel's thirty third game at Tennessee. We know how he's going to coach games. We know he's going to be aggressive. That's that's just how he is, um, and he's not the only head coach that's gotten a little I don't want to say out there with some of these fourth downs but Kiffin there's been others little riverboat Ron to give um maybe the, the Ron Rivera for the those yeah. the, the NFL coach um or, or the riverboat was it Tuberville that was the Tuberville t- was the riverboat gambler okay there you go um and, and so yeah I mean Kiffin we saw Dan Lanning against Washington get a little make some some questionable ones that didn't work out um uh, I, w- I would have punted the second one. Uh, I-, I think as a head coach, when you're making decisions, you got to do what puts your team in the best position. And neither of those call- neither of those decisions put his team in a good position, only because they didn't work. Uh, again, like you said, Wes, if you're on the road and you're aggressive, you're, you're trying to make a momentum play. And in Josh Heupel's mind, this is probably how he's thinking about it, he's an offensive guy. He's going to have confidence in his offense. He's going to mm-hmm. say, we're going to go out there, we got a great play, we're going to get it done. The first one, again, I haven't gone back and, and really dived, dived into the, to the plays. looked like it was a shovel pass, and the shovel pass was 100% open. If Joe Milton flips it to his left to Jacob Warren and he catches a pass from about two yards away, it's a, he's, he's easily over the line. He stumbles forward. Right. I mean, there was nobody in that gap, and, and that's what you were creating. And, and this is not the first time that Milton has basically said, I got this on a shovel pass. Uh, you go back to the two-point conversion at Florida. It was wide open with Jabari Small. He decided to string it out, try to throw it. So Tennessee quarterbacks calling their own number at Bryant Denny Stadium um, in crucial situations. This was not as egregious. Not a great this thing. Not, not a great thing. Uh, I've seen people say that Milton is worse than Garantano, and I'm wondering what the hell people were watching from 2017 to 2020 to say that. It's just like people yeah. forgot how bad that guy was. No, and, and you know I don't want to turn this into a slandering of, of Jay Garantano. The kid played his ass off and took a beating for Tennessee. Oh, right, and so. Um, the, the second one, I, I didn't think they should have gone for the second one. I think they should have punted at midfield. Jackson Riles was having a great game. You had a chance to pin them deep, and that puts your defense in a better situation. If you pin Alabama inside of its 10, they're going to go conservative. They're not going to do anything to try to mess that up. So I think you should have punted there. Um, and the short yardage – I mean, Tennessee's had short yardage issues since – the Virginia game, where they got stuffed on their own 35, right? I mean, that was they went under center for that one, did they not? I think they're one for six on fourth and short um, this year. I, I'd have to go look, look all that up, but um, they, you know, they they ran under center for that one. It's easy to just say line it up, but on the second fourth down, they didn't get it because their def, their offensive line got pushed two yards in the backfield. Mm-hmm. So if you, yeah, you can put as much people behind there if you want. If you don't win up front, it doesn't matter. If you don't. If you get pushed back in the backfield and leave the linebacker free to come back to play, it doesn't matter what you call. You can be in the shotgun. You can be in the shotgun. You can be in the pistol. You can be in the wishbone. If you don't execute it right, it doesn't matter. Um, it is interesting to me that they went to their version of the whatever their NFL calling it. Is it the tush push? Yes. The brotherly shot. I, I think they're all stupid, to be honest. But. Yeah. But they had – in Virginia, they lined up on the goal line and had Tyree West and Javante Spragans push Milton in the end zone. They haven't gone back to that. Now it's different 
you know, because you you'd have to run those guys on. But, you know, we saw that in one game. We haven't seen it since. But so you go back to the Virginia game. They went under center, didn't get it. Um, you This game they went in the shotgun. So clearly short yardage is an issue in general at this point, uh, you'd have to say. And, um, again, I, I don't know about the one and six that. I'd have to go look that up. But, um, yeah, short yardage red zone, those are key plays in, in games like this. And, and to Ryan's point about the talent, yeah, the talent level is what it is. But Tennessee, Tennessee was in this game. I mean, they were, they were in this game. They had a chance to win this game. And little plays like that make a huge difference, little – Plays in the red zone, little plays in short yardage, little plays on third down. Those things add up if they enough of them aren't on your side of the ledger. And, and that's what happened to Tennessee today, and that's why it's going to be frustrating and, and and why this loss has caused so much angst because Tennessee – this Alabama team was gettable, and, Al, and Tennessee, through half the game, put itself in position to get Alabama and then just threw it away. Yep, and and, and I will, I'll say this, though. On the fourth down plays, I hated both of them. Um, I'll be that guy and just say that they, they both stunk to me. I, one – I think Josh Heupel got caught up in the emotion of the moment because Alabama had just scored to cut it to 13-7. 530 pounds of tight end hitting Joe Milton in the ass is going to get a first down. Well, again, though, the situation. I hate the situation. I, 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 I agree with Ryan. I, I, he should have punted both of those. Because I, I, fourth and one at the 34, your own 34, and Bama's just scored to cut it to 13-7, and that's the play, remember, they, had get, they got it overturned. It was initially called a first down. They rushed to the line. They review it. It gets called... Of a, it should have been a foot short of the line. They called it more like a full half to two-thirds of a yard That behind. was bizarre. Not a great spot. I mean, to um, go to review and then be that far off after the – you were closer to begin with than you were after review. Yeah. That should never, ever happen. And obviously I'm totally speculating here. I mean, here. if I'm hypo, I'm furious about a lot of this stuff, and I think we yeah. need to admit that because it was – and look, wrong. and look, we just saw it again, too, watching it here in the hotel. The hold on Tyler Barron on the long touchdown pass is a huge play in the game, and that's that's The hold stunk. and hands to the face, both yeah. at the same time. Yep, so that, that's that's bad and can't happen, and that changes the game. But uh, at the same time, I think Josh Heupel – I'm totally speculating here. Could be totally wrong. But my read on that was Josh Heupel's already thinking about what play he's going to run on first – they already knew what they were going to run on first down. The, it gets whistled dead, and then they go back and review it. And they get overturned, and Heupel says, screw it, we're a foot short, we're going for it. And I, I think he was trying to change the momentum of the game, and, personally. And, and probably both. And, and so I think, yeah, you're trying to make sure Alabama doesn't get the momentum going because you've seen this a million times. They just scored a cut to 13-7. You don't want Alabama to get things rolling here and take the lead going into halftime, and suddenly your good start's out the window. So you don't want to punt it back, but you're not good in short yardage. And it's early in the game, and you're at your own 34. Punt the ball. Live to see another day. And that could have changed the momentum in the game. And it didn't. They're lucky that Bama didn't score on that drive because of an, that was the interception, I guess, right after that. Yeah, the tip ball that, yeah. that McCullough got to. Um, yeah. So, so yeah, they're lucky that they got a turnover that kind of bailed them out there because it could have been at least 13-10 after that. Um, so it didn't hurt them on the scoreboard, but I had the call. And obviously I had the one in the second half too because, again, you flip the field position there and who knows what happens. So I It's just, interesting because I hated the one at A&M. I did not hate the ones this week. I, just, I, I, didn't, like, I didn't like the execution and I didn't like – not using a tank of a quarterback to be a tank of a quarterback. I mean that that part's fair. Part of it, part of maybe why you don't like them in high or why I don't like them is because of the calls. But I, it's not just that. I thought I just thought both times I should have been punted, and I thought Josh Heupel would approach this game differently, knowing that fewer points would be scored with the way his team's playing these days. And you got to coach that way. Yeah, if you're gonna beat Bama, you got to be op opportunistic and aggressive. I agree with that, but you also have to be smart sometimes and just you know live to see another down and game and put your defense in better positions. Sometimes when you put your defenses back to the wall all the time. They're going to get taken advantage of more, and so I just I just thought that was the wrong call in both situations. But hey, that, that's why I'm not a coach. Well, I did just see a, another view of the the sack strip that that Bama had late in the game. That was uh, the Bama's edge there. Braswell just kind of put a he put a really good move on on Campbell. He he did kind of a stutter step, hesitation move, got right around him. I don't think Milton had much choice there. And that's another I example. Had, I don't think Milton did really anything. And that's another there. example of, of Bama guy making a play. I mean, that's that's what this game boils down to is you got to go make plays. Yep, and Tennessee needs to make plays now because uh, at the end of the day, if it's always going to be frustrating because Tennessee lost on the road last season a game it shouldn't have lost, and that kept Tennessee probably out of the playoff this season. If Tennessee were to go nine and three, if that were to happen. Then you're looking at these two games again. Maybe that's two consecutive years where a chance to get to the playoff is just right there uh, for the taking, and, and it's not taken advantage of. And that's always going to be frustrating. You can't look for, you can't look backward. You got to look forward. 
I think there's more good than bad going on right now in this program, but um, it depends on it's what you want the program to be, in my opinion. If you want this to be a championship caliber program again, you go take care of business. You you do not give up, you know, 13-point leads in the second half. You just don't do some of the things that happened in this game. But but we'll see. Those are the things that happen. Those are the things that, that Tennessee has to overcome in the future, and we'll see how this team responds to it. I think this team's been pretty good about kind of getting back up and dusting off and going back again. But it's going to be tough after this one because this is the second time this season this has happened, and we'll just see how they respond because next week's next – week's, I can already tell you, if Tennessee shows up and plays the way it can, it wins that game. But who knows? Yeah, I mean – I'm not going to say that you should take any moral victories from this game. This is a game Tennessee went in thinking past it, that. Got to be past yeah, that. They're, they're thinking it could, they could they could win this game. They they had a chance to win this game, obviously. Um, but I will say, I mean, it's still it's still year three, and they're still right there in all these games. the The progress is still there. I know fans are gonna they're gonna be upset, and they should be. These games these games hurt, but. I think still still see the bigger picture. Still see that there's a lot out there to be played for. Georgia slips up somewhere along the, along the way. You could still be playing Georgia for the SEC East in a few weeks. Um, it's they they could still have a very good season if they just build on the positives today because they did play a lot better on offense, especially in the first half. They just didn't they couldn't run the ball against Alabama uh, as well as they did against most other teams. They're not going to have that problem as much against Kentucky against Missouri. I don't think so. They should be fine. Uh, most of the remaining games, you know, Georgia's the one team they face the rest of the way that's going to. Be able to outman them. If, if in a lot the of strain stays where it needs to be, and all those things, if yeah. The, if the effort, the focus, the strain, all so, that. So they need to not let this game beat them twice, as coaches would always say. They need to bounce back from this, and if they take care of business the next few weeks, this will still be a very good season for Tennessee. I understand that the the, the fan base, you know, it, it's, it's a little it's, raw right now. Yeah, a little raw. Uh, understandable. And, and these these losses are never easy. And all the, all the fans who were there in Tuscaloosa hated seeing the, the the Bama fans smoke the cigars this year. All that's totally fine. I understand it. But just understand the big picture is still not that bleak. There's no need to change quarterbacks. There's no need to make any staff changes. Like this program's still in a pretty good spot. And for all the all things considered, for them to be at five and two at this point, it, it's it's still got a chance to be a pretty good year. It does, and we'll see where it goes from here. But uh, tough day for Tennessee. No sugarcoat in that. And we'll see. We'll have a lot more to uh, dissect with this on uh, on Monday. We'll have a lot more to talk about next week with it being Kentucky week. Beer barrel. It's always a big week for Tennessee. We'll see where it goes from there. But for, from now, guys, thanks for uh, thanks for being here. And uh, just, just, you know what, thanks for the effort today, Ryan and Pat. Just thank, thank you both. You're welcome, Wes. I appreciate your uplifting words. Thanks, Wes. You suck, Ryan. I couldn't end on saying something nice. See ya. There's that button. And now I can say thank you for listening to this edition of the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. We always say that, but we always mean it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening. You can find all of us on social media. I'm Wes Rucker 24-7 on Twitter. Ben McKee is Ben McKee 14 on Twitter. Ryan Callahan is Ryan Callahan 24-7 on Twitter. And Patrick Brown is P Brown 24-7 on Twitter. And if you just want Tennessee news on Twitter, nothing else, you can get that at twitter.com slash govals 24-7. You can also go to facebook.com slash govals 24-7 where we update that throughout the day, all day, every day, mostly with Tennessee news, uh, but also with news that we think falls fans will find interesting. Uh, But if you want that best, most delicious East Tennessee Smoky Mountain spring water directly from the source, go get that at GoVols247.com, the best site on all of Al Gore's internets for coverage of Tennessee football, football recruiting, basketball, basketball recruiting, Tennessee baseball. Nobody, and I mean nobody, covers Tennessee baseball the way that we do. Also, no one covers the Lady Vols that we do. The award-winning Maria Cornelius does an excellent job covering all things Lady Vols for us all season long. You can get all of that at GoVols247.com. You've also got access there to two forums that run around the clock, got the checkerboard and the summit, where you can go 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and discuss anything you want that is not political or religious in nature with us, with thousands of Tennessee fans across the world, and with us who are on the staff. Uh, and, and no one has a more uh, active board with the, the staff members than us. We are proud to be there all the time. 
answering any question that you've got, and you get all of that for less than the price of one mediocre lunch per month. That is all that it costs, and that's after a quick free trial. And once you pay us that reasonable rate, which is, again, less than one mediocre lunch per month, you get access in perpetuity to Paramount Plus, uh, which is an excellent growing behemoth of a streaming arm there with us here at CBS, Paramount, Viacom, etc. You get every show CBS has ever made commercial free. You get new movies. You get classic movies that rotate in every single month. Uh, you also get just tons of original content, tons of great original Paramount Plus content. And you also uh, get access to the vaults of uh, Nickelodeon, uh, Smithsonian, uh, MTV, BET, Comedy Central, something for the entire family. All of that, all of that for less than the price of one mediocre lunch per month. That That is so much stuff. So much stuff. That's a bunch of stuff. Less than one lunch a month. That's all that it costs. So go to GoVols247.com and do that. Take advantage of that. Tell your friends to go do that. Again, thank you for listening. You can always go subscribe to us on every content uh, item, everywhere you can get a podcast. You can get this podcast. So please go do that. Thank you for listening again. And uh, be kind to each other, guys. Just try to be kind to each other. There's just not nearly enough people in this world being kind to each other and having basic human empathy and dignity. Let's be better to each other. Let's be good. See you guys.